0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode, I would like to talk about an event that we read of in the book of Nehemiah. It is found in Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to just give a brief summary of what had happened to bring them to this point of Nehemiah chapter 8. In 606 BC, the first deportation of Jews from Judea into Babylonian captivity took place under Nebuchadnezzar. Included in this first group were the young man Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the young man Daniel. In 597 BC, the second deportation occurred. Included in this group was Ezekiel. And then in 586 BC, the city of Jerusalem along with the temple was destroyed and a host of Jews were carried away at that time as well. In 536 BC, Babylon having been overthrown by the Medo-Persians, Cyrus, the king of Persia, issued a decree allowing the captive Jews who desired to to return to Jerusalem. That was 70 years after the first deportation. His decree is found in Ezra chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Since it was so very important, I want to read it. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord the God of Israel he is the God who is in Jerusalem as it turned out about 50,000 did return merely a remnant as had been prophesied this group was under the leadership of Zerubbabel their task was to build a temple to the Lord and they did the actual time of the building was four years five months and ten days but they had been back 21 years before it was completed. And that tells us something about the priorities of the people at the time. About 60 years after building the temple, Ezra, the priest and scribe, led another group of two to 3,000 to Judea. When he came, he found the moral and spiritual condition of the people to be far from satisfactory. And now, 12 years after Ezra, Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem. When he gets there, the circumstances are far from encouraging. The walls and the gates of the city were still in ruins, discouraging to both the eye and the heart. The people were behaving poorly. The richer Jews were oppressing their poorer brethren. There was a general laxity about religious spiritual matters illustrated by their abuse of the Sabbath and other obligations. Not only did the walls of the city need to be rebuilt, but the moral and spiritual fiber and life of the people needed to be rebuilt as well. The first part of Nehemiah chapters 1 through 6 deal with the reconstruction of the walls of the city. The second part chapters 7 through 13 deals with what I am going to call re-instructing the people. A vital part of that reinstruction involved getting the people to go back to the Word of God and to manifest the proper attitude toward it and its commands. That brings us to Nehemiah chapter eight, but we'll begin reading with the last part of chapter seven, verse 73 to chapter eight, verse one. And when the seventh month came, the sons of Israel were in their cities and all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra to scribe to bring the book, of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. The first thing I want us to notice from these verses is that the children of Israel gathered together as one at the square in front of the water gate. They asked for instruction from the law. They asked Ezra to read from the book of the law of Moses. They were not at that time keeping the law as they should. But it is evident that they had a yearning for it. It reminds me a bit of Peter's statement in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 where he wrote, like newborn babes, Long for the pure milk of the Word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. As I have said before, if we want to understand what it means to really long for the Word of God, just listen to all the wonderful little babies when it's time to eat, and hear them join in chorus, and we can know. Also, the desire was for the pure milk of the Word. Some translations have without guile or sincere. The idea is unadulterated. What we most passionately long for is the pure, unadulterated, unchanged Word of God. The only time a baby will refuse a meal at mealtime is when it is sick or on rare occasions just not hungry. In the spiritual realm, if we are not hungry, we are not sick. Unfortunately, the appetite for spiritual food is often not as intense as the appetite for food that prompts the baby to demand it loudly and continuously until it is fed. Back in Nehemiah chapter 8, let's read verses 2 through 8 and see what happened. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the square which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women those who could understand and all the people were attentive to the book of the law and Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium which they had made for the purpose and beside him stood Mattitiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand and Petitiah, Mishael, Machiam, Hashem, Hashbadadan, Zechariah, and Mishulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Akub, Sabbatai, Hadiah, Messiah, Kalida, Ezariah, Josabed, Haned, Paaliah, and the Levites explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And they read from the book from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. For six hours or more, the people listened to the word of God. Men and women, children who were old enough to understand, gave attention to the book of the law. I find it interesting that literally and far more expressively, the last phrase of verse 2 is, and the ears of all the people were unto the book of the law. They were fixed on what was being said and nothing else. I can't imagine such close attention, such awe and reverence, being displayed by such a large and diverse group of people, young, old, and in between, male and female, to the word of God. That reminds me of Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20, which says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. That is the kind of reverence. That is the kind of attention, the kind of respect that the word of God deserves. And it does not matter who is presenting it as long as it is the pure word of God. When Ezra, standing on the pulpit so that all the people could see him, opened the book of the law, all the people stood. Obviously, a spontaneous act of reverence. This was God's word Ezra was about to read. God's word. What else is there that should prompt such spontaneous reverence? If we allow ourselves to truly think about it, it can be overwhelming. God has spoken to us. Before he read, Ezra blessed Yahweh the Lord, really words of praise and thanksgiving. And the people responded with a double amen, lifting up their hands in grateful acknowledgement to their God. They even bowed low with their faces to the ground in humility. Then Ezra began to read, and it is apparent that from time to time he would pause in the reading and and with the assistance of the Levites, explained to the people the meaning of the passages so that they could understand and make application. The Bible places great emphasis upon public reading and exposition of the word. For instance, in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21, we find this very interesting event. And he, that's Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book And gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing did you note the reading of the word of god as well as the attention and reverence given to it we found and all the eyes of those in the synagogue were fixed upon him several years later paul told timothy in first timothy chapter 4 and verse 13 until i come Give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 27 we read, I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. To the brethren in Colossae Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16, and when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you for your part read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, we find, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. There is no substitute for reading, hearing, studying, and meditating upon the word of God. David wrote in Psalm 119 verses 9 through 16 the following, How can a young man keep his way pure? by keeping it according to thy word. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips I have told of the ordinances of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on thy precepts and regard thy ways. I shall delight in thy statutes. I shall not forget thy word. What a privilege to have the word of God. It contains everything pertaining to life and godliness. It equips us for every good work. It is the perfect law of liberty. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It demands our reverence, respect, and attention. There's another point I want us to notice that pertains to the reverence and the respect the Word of God deserves. Back in Nehemiah chapter 8, the last part of verse 7, we can see that as they were reading and causing the people to understand, the people remained in their place. The King James says the people stood in their place. The New English Bible renders it while they remained in their places. The Good News Bible has it they rose and stood in their places. The point is simply this. I believe they remained in their places out of reverence and respect for the Word, out of respect for those around them, and because they were focused, their ears pointed toward the book, so to speak, and they were not thinking of all the things going on around them. The responsibility that rests upon the shoulders of Ezra and those helping him is pointed out in verse 8. They were to read the book clearly. And explained it in a way that the people could understand. That was their job, not to entertain, not to give their opinions about political matters, not to be flowery and attempt to draw attention to themselves, not to make a show with excellence of speech or of wisdom, but to present the Word of God in a way that everyone could understand. What a great day in the history of the Jewish nation. If we were to go on, we would find them reestablishing the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. It is probably safe to say that from this point on, they would be known as people of the book. That is what we need to be, people of the book. I remember a very powerful lesson I heard a very great preacher, D. Bowman, preach many years ago. He said that every subject vital to man is in the book. And he made the point that our request and desire should always be, bring the book. Let's close by going once again to Psalm 119, this time looking at verses 97 through 104. David wrote, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed thy precepts, have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not turned aside from thine ordinances, for thou thyself hast taught me. How sweet are thy words to my test! Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate Every false way. Thank you for listening.